everybody hey once again welcome to grace life 15 years ago this weekend amazing amazing uh hey if you're a first-time guest we're so glad to have you guys worshiping with us whether you are here in the room or online we want to thank you hope you're experiencing god's presence that's what this is all about so obviously today is very different because on the stage with me our founding pastor and his wife jerry and nan daly would you guys help me welcome them come on thank you so the reason that we're doing what we are doing uh, is not to make much of ourselves, but it is to celebrate the goodness of God. And uh, that's what I, I hope that today, even though it's not a traditional sermon, that, that you guys do take away uh, some really interesting uh, spiritual and biblical principles we're going to talk about that are in the foundation of grace life. So the reason that we have set this up kind of this way is I was standing right down there in my normal spot uh, less than two months ago, and as we were worshiping, I just remembered and was impressed by the Holy Spirit, uh, this wouldn't be here without the sacrifice uh, that you guys have made in your lives, and I just, just felt we needed to take a moment and honor you. Because Thursday, as we were having our first service of the weekend, somebody walked in and they saw the big balloon arch and the number 15. And they said, I, I thought Grace Life was only 10 years old and you started it 10 years ago. I said, wow, there is so much that people don't know. So the truth is, Grace Life has grown a little bit. And there are people <laughs> who do not know you guys personally. They, and they don't know the story of the foundation of Grace Life and what God did and bringing us together. And so I thought, we just need to take a moment and change the fact that people don't know where all of this came from and, and what you have done. Amen. And so just to give you guys a little information here, Jerry is 80 years old and Nan not far behind. Come on, you're right, look at this. Can y'all get a camera close up on this man? Look at that right there, come on. And all I can say is if I look half as good at 80, and, and can, by the way, I mean, if Jerry and I went out to the parking lot and did a little race, he would win. I mean, <laughs> he hikes a mountain uh, virtually every day uh, for two hours, which we'll talk more about uh, for your prayer walk and everything. Uh, always healthy. And uh, I remember when I was in your house in the mountains, there was this picture of you on the wall uh, from your time at the Air Force Academy, and it's of you doing the rings. You know, when they hold two rings on a rope, and and he's suspended going up in the air. I mean, so like, wow, you, you, uh, anyway, I just want to be like you when I grow up. So, but I tell you that because I want y'all to do the math. 80 years old, and he started the church 15 years ago. So at 65, when most people yeah. are slowing down, and most people are doing that thing called retirement and playing a little extra golf and all that sort of stuff. You guys started over yeah. to, to plant a new church. Matter of fact, just a little bit about you for those who don't know. Uh, we were church number five. You have now planted six churches personally. Uh, there's some unofficial churches out there that are still gathered around you where you live and because you're always pastoring people. And you started our entire network 
you started our Bible college that has gone on to become a university seminary. Mm -hmm. And when I think of all that you have done, you've pastored now for about 50 years. Right. Uh, what an amazing life. And uh, I just want to thank you for the example you've set for us. And it's, it's been crazy crazy ride, hasn't it? Yeah. So we're going to do a little Q and A. I want some people to, I want people to hear some of the stories and and some things of where they come from. So would you tell us what caused you 15 years ago to move to Columbia, South Carolina and start another church? Well, we used to have prophetic presbyteries when prophets would come in and all the pastors would be there and we would have people designated who, to be prophesied over, uh, who had already fasted and prayed. And so the prophet, Rich Gal, came in, and in the midst of it, he called Nan and myself up to the front and prophesied that we were supposed to start another church. And I was just turning 65 when he prophesied. And I said, well, because of Abraham, I said, is my wife pregnant too? any <laughs> <laughs> rate... Um, and then how was your response to that? Well, I knew when I heard the word from Rich that it was God, but it was a shock. Um, we had just built our, what we thought was our final home. It yeah. downsized and built a, a lovely townhome right off of Franklin Street, six minutes. Hill. Yeah, in Chapel Hill. Six minutes away from our daughter and her husband and our five grandchildren, um, Kendrick, our son-in-law, yeah. had just been put in as the senior pastor of Grace Church, and we were prepared to be their cheering section, support them, help them in any way we could. And all of a sudden, uh, no, you're going to be leaving. Um, so it was it was a shock. <laughs> yeah. And I think most of the cost came to her because, as she knows, I'm such a responder that when God says, um, go plant another church, it's like throwing steak out for a dog. And uh, I was like, I'm That's gone true. already. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, she's the one who bore the brunt. She designed the, the townhouse. She poured in. She's the grandmother. And... Um, was, she paid a, a real cost in, in, in leaving. Yes, you, you really did. And uh, I want to come back and talk about some of that cost uh, in a moment. But when, when that happened, uh, keep in mind, you weren't on the list of people that were supposed to get prayed right. for that right. day. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, you were last. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it was over. And that's when Rich said, but Jerry, when you walked in, God told me that you had one more. Yes, right. Turns out you actually had two more, but we'll get to that in a minute as well. And so you you came here. That was a Wednesday afternoon. You guys were here in Columbia, South Carolina, the following Friday to have our first meeting. And, and I think, I mean, a lot of people take time to think about things and pray about things and work through things. You guys were here. You you here nine, right, right. nine days later. Yeah. And uh, if you would connect the dots for everybody, because when you came and you did start the church, a lot of talk about Abraham, Abraham's important. Um, connect the dots of why you were able to do that so quickly. Well, we, the Bible says that Abraham is our spiritual father. I mean, it's pretty cool that we're sons and daughters of Abraham. 
and that's because he heard the voice of God and then he believed what God said and then he, he, he just went for it and having no idea how this is going to work out. And really, that's the pattern for your life, yeah. our lives, Jimmy's life. That's the pattern for every disciple of Christ, hearing his voice, believing him, trusting him, and going for it, regardless of what happens, which we'll discuss. Well, there's a funny part of this story that people need to know. See, Joe and Patrice Lamb, Joe's one of our elders who is quarantined yeah. this weekend and missing all the fun. How sad is that? Uh, and his wife, Patrice Lamb, is our women's pastor. So Joe and Patrice and my wife and I had moved here a year earlier right. to be part of a church plant that failed as that pastor is no longer in ministry. So Joe and I were really excited uh, that you might come and, and redeem something out of, of the ashes, so to speak. And so we were actually right behind you when he spoke that word. You were. And I leaned up and put my hand on your shoulder and said, would you like me to help you find an apartment? And you did not like that. No. Comment. Matter of fact, at that point, you gathered every pastor in the room, except me, <laughs> to ask them, okay, if I'm going to do this, where do you think the Spirit of God is leading us? And hands down, everybody in the room agreed, Columbia, South Carolina, there was a team. God had begun something, and you were going to come and redeem that. So I did get to help find you an apartment. And, yeah, yes, you and, did. And it worked out. But uh, let's go back to the idea of the cost. You know, uh, a lot of people may think that you start a church by renting a room, mm -hmm. uh, writing a sermon, getting somebody to sing a song, and then the crowds just show up. <laughs> And the truth is, starting the church is very hard work. Yeah. And especially when the, there's nobody there except the four families that started the church. And, and I remember our very first Sunday, Palm Sunday, 15 years ago, we're all standing there looking out of the glass, wondering, is anyone going yeah, to come? I remember. And uh, that funny story about that, because uh, we, we thought maybe somebody will show up. Maybe someone's seen our, our signs and our banners and stuff like that. And there was a family that is in Grace Life now, and they've been in Grace Life for, for 13 or 14 years or so. But that very first Sunday, they started to pull in and noticed there were not that many cars. And it's like a restaurant at lunch when there are no cars. It's not a good restaurant, right? And so they did a U-turn and kept on going. Uh, and They came back later, and, and uh, it's been their church ever since. But just those funny kind of stories. My point is, it's hard work, and it costs a lot. It does. And so, again, at 65 you left everything. You left the ability to have coffee with your only daughter six miles down the road every morning to watch your grandkids grow up in the church that you started and to see your son-in-law pastor that church. Uh, you walked away from all of that in obedience to what God said. You came here, an incredible price you paid. Um, you were very generous. I remember you at one point saying, if I'm giving my life to this church, why can't I give my money? I mean, you guys gave everything, huge cost that was paid. Um, and it's been kind of the story all along. I mean, Kent and Lane Fancher, Kent is our senior associate uh, uh, pastor, and he was our first worship pastor. Yeah, praise God for that. And so here's the crazy story. Again, you got a word from God on Wednesday. You moved here nine days later the following Friday. Well, also in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that weekend, Kent and Lane are there, kind of, what are we doing? They, they went came to visit to be with their son. Their son, who was 
sitting right there, but he was the worship pastor of that church at the time. And uh, they had just gotten a job in South Carolina and said, I don't know, what is God doing? Why did we just get a job in South Carolina? And one of the pastors said, you need to go talk to Jerry and Nan because they're moving there this week. And so Kent, his job is not in Columbia though. And so for 10 years, years. he drove over an hour each way every day. That's over two hours a day would work shifts that were 10, 12, sometimes longer just because he knew he was called to be the worship pastor of this church. Sacrifice. Joe and Patrice Lamb, one of the founding families, uh, they had been missionaries in Sri Lanka. They had five children. They had moved halfway around the world. They had a great ministry, a great ministry partner they were working with, one of their closest friends. They had a great financial support base. Uh, they were homeschooling. Everything was like, a, it was beautiful. You know, vacations in Thailand. It was an amazing life that they were living at the time. They'll, they'll describe the stories. And then they had to give that up to move halfway around the world to help start a church, to have no job, to, to not know what would happen. And and went through some difficult years trying to get established and, and get a job and go through those things here in Columbia. So there has been a great price paid for Grace Life Church. And nobody really paid more than you and Ramona, Jimmy. Um, they went through, the. they moved here out of faith and the word of God and no idea that there might be suffering involved. Um, when, I, when we sent Randy Thornton out to plant a church, our church in, in Southern Pines, I told him that night, I said, except a seed fall in the earth and die, it abides alone. <laughs> and that's for all of us. <clears throat> so uh, they were betrayed. They were without home, I mean, without a job. <clears throat> they were delivering, you and Joe were delivering pizza at night. <laughs> Papa John's. They were on. the top of... <laughs> Top of office buildings, hauling out construction trash just to put food on the table. They lost a child during that time. And they left a nice house. They left a nice house. They had a great job in Southern Pines. Um, Another thing he did was when we did move here, Jimmy had been a band director in Southern Pines, which had a much higher salary than a music teacher. But he took the lesser job, lesser pay here because he was really my associate and uh, did just an awful lot of the practical. I mean, I was 65, right? And, uh, and he, so we were really a team. Uh, and I've watched you learn to forgive and love those who have betrayed you and hurt you. And so I'm proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Amen. So let's shift gears. <laughs> Awkward transition, but uh, I mean, that was deep. A hard to get out of deep sometimes. I do thank you for that. It's very, uh, I appreciate that. But tell us about some of the things that you guys encountered spiritually in this environment when you moved to Columbia to start this church. Let's start with you, Nan. Well, when we moved, we did some prayer walking. And one of those walks was in Sesquicentennial Park. And I remember really keenly feeling as we were praying and walking that day that we were going to be part of one little piece of the pie, mm. one little layer 
of what God had already been doing in this area and would continue to do in this area, that it was precious to him, but it was just one little piece that we were standing on the shoulders mm. of other people who had come before us and right. paid costs. And just significant of his tremendous love for this area, that it was important to him that people were, people were here loving him and following him. <clears throat> Another shocking thing coming from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where if you ask people in Chapel Hill, hey, are you a Christian? They just look at you like, what? So moving to Columbia was like, everybody, are you a Christian? Everybody said yes. People who are sleeping around, doing drugs, whatever. And so I learned pretty quickly in Columbia, uh, don't ask people if they're Christian. I learned to ask are you a follower of Christ? Which kind of cuts through that. Um, I also want to just say about my wife, she's followed me as a church planter all these years. We were military all those year, 10 years I was Air Force. And she's followed me all over the world. And she grew up military. She was a brat, if you know what that is. <laughs> military brat. So she always wanted to live in one place with a little picket fence around the house. <laughs> and God had another plan. <laughs> and uh, so she, we've been married 58 years. Come on. <laughs> That's not something you hear every day. No. <laughs> no. And she, she's, uh, she's the best. Speaking of that, I want to make sure everybody understands a little bit about you. You went to the Air Force Academy and then served in the Air Force. You were a pilot. Yep. You flew three tours in Vietnam. Uh, and then you switched from flying to being a pastor because of something that happened in your life. I always think it's a funny and great story at the same time. Tell everybody what made that shift in your life from flying for America to preaching for the kingdom of God. Well, Eight days after we met Christ, we got saved the same night after being married three years. And eight days later, he called me to preach. So, But uh, I also wanted to be a fighter pilot, which I wasn't. Every academy grad wants to be a fighter pilot. And so I'm waiting. I got an orders. To, they came down to go become a fighter pilot, which would mean more military service. And I'm waiting on this officer to tell me something. And I'm flipping through my New Testament. And, and you ever Bible slob? We don't necessarily recommend it, but maybe we've all done it. So I'm Bible flopping and I read twice, uh, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Said, <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'm passing up this assignment. So you changed swords. I did. There you go. The word of God. Yeah. Well, uh, Tell everybody, because when you came and started the church, you, you built some very important spiritual things into the foundation of this church. Yes. Tell everybody what some of those are and why. One is one of my favorite, really, memories and times. Jimmy and Ramona had, I mean, they were really beat up when we moved here. Joe and Patrice, beat up. And by the way, I'd known Joe and Patrice in Sri Lanka. I'd been with them there. And... Uh, <clears throat> And Kent and Lane beat up, not, not as badly as you two, but couples, but, but they were pretty beat up. And we gathered every Friday night, and we studied the great doctrines of the faith. 
And so many Christians seem to think, oh, doctrine, who needs doctrine? Well, I call doctrine truth with handles. And the truth will set you free. If you get it, (laughs) if it comes by revelation. And so we went through the great doctrines of who God is, how he works, how he's sovereign, um, just the whole package. And it was like watching God pour water on these three couples. And they just, I mean, they just, their souls just began coming back to life. And that was a, and so Grace Life was built on really putting doctrine, truth, uh, the ancient beliefs that have been given to the church, often by men and women who, who paid a great cost also. And so truth is very important here, biblical truth, what God says. And, uh, and so all of these couples have lived that out. Um, another, another thing that was so very important in the very beginning of this church, and it has continued, is spirit-led worship, just worshiping God with all our hearts. Yeah. And Kent was such a gift yes. to this church in the early days but he, his business kept him from being able to do that every weekend. And so our son, Jerome, came down for a year and a half, two years, yeah. a couple times a month um, to help with the leading of the worship and with the worship team and so on. And, and there was a real legacy in that. You, can, yeah. you feel it when you're here. So we're grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. At one of, when you were teaching us doctrine, one of the things that was important was making sure we're not just going to heaven, but we actually know what it means to be a Christian and what we believe. And so I'd like to think that we continue today, those things you put into the foundation, that the way that we preach and teach here is right. about making sure that people are doing more than going to heaven. That's that's a great start, very important start. But after that, knowing what we actually believe. Right. Like, what does the Bible say, and what are we what are we called to? And still having worship where the Holy Spirit is at the center of worship. It is all about engaging with God, connecting with Him, not just singing songs to an idea of of something that's out there somewhere, but to be in a meeting with God. We're meeting with the presence of God, capital P, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there's one other thing that you set into the foundation that I get asked about a lot because we still do it. And since you're here today, I get to blame you. And uh, when, when somebody's new to Grace Life, they come and say, y'all take communion every week. Why do y'all take communion every week? And uh, now that you're here, I can say, because he started it. Yeah. And well, as you heard my heart, as we, I just spoke over communion, it, it's not just what happened in history or not just when you got saved. It's what I call present tense exchange with Christ so that you're experiencing freedom today because we get tested every day. And so really putting that as the apex of worship. And um, even some of the churches that I've started don't continue doing this, which I, we would love that for them because we think God really meets us at yeah. the cross. That's where his, his love, his grace, his tending. Mm, he loves that. 
Well, we've just never found a reason to stop it. Uh, to us, we see more good coming out of it because the Bible doesn't tell you how often or when to take communion. That's always just kind of a tradition or a, a habit or, or something. And when people ask, my answer is always, well, that means we only get to do it once every seven days. <laughs> I think that's a pretty, pretty good answer. So, I love that. So here's, a, as you were teaching us doctrine, really funny thing. So in that first group, now this was before 15 years ago because it was right. about six months before we had our first public worship service on that Palm Sunday. Right. Uh, we were meeting privately in uh, the Lamb's house every Friday night um, for a, a small group. And uh, you were teaching us the, the doctrine. We were going through a book called Bible Doctrine by Wayne Grudem. You walked in with a box. You love to do this with books and give everybody their copy of the book. And then you also gave everybody a copy of a study Bible. And I thought, well, this is neat. They go together. And, and as I was reading this new Bible you gave me, I kept noticing this, the notes in the bottom contradicted a lot of stuff you were teaching That's us. That's true. And, and uh, one day I remember asking, Jerry, why did you give us this edition uh, because, you know, the study Bible, the, the Word of God is the Word of God, but the notes at the bottom come from a scholar. Right. I was like, why did you give us this particular study Bible that seems to disagree with so much of what you are teaching? And do you remember your answer? Because I've never forgotten it. No. You just looked at me and said, because the margins are big. That's... <laughs> so yeah, I need a close-up camera here, but you guys need to see uh, how about, I'm, and I'm just randomly picking a page. This is Jerry's Bible. If y'all can see all of the writing and the highlighting and everything that he does, and it's a brand new Bible because you write and fill it up, then you have to buy a new one because you write. You and God talk. I got a lot of those. Bibles. Every day of your life, and you just keep turning pages. You just keep seeing your conversation with God, and so <laughs> I just thought that was funny that you wanted us to have room for our conversation with God and just ignore all the stuff at the bottom of the page. <laughs> so, so uh, hey. Speaking of memories like that, share, share with us some of your favorite memories from the early days of Grace Life. Well, Nan has a great one. Well, um, on Halloween, we would we build bags as a church, and we would go out two by two, door to door, and say, no tricks, just treats, and give a bag to people. And Jerry's partner was always Allison Lamb, and I think you started going out with her probably when she was four, five, she, six, somewhere. Just little, and she was so adorable. And so he put her in front. That's right. And when people came to the Nobody door, nobody was going to refuse her. <laughs> she was. It was Allison. <laughs> so that was a fun memory. That that was a great one for for us both. Is it? And I've never done this with any other church. Just happened. But every Sunday. Uh, we took everyone to a Chinese restaurant, and the church paid for it. And, you should uh, not have told And, them and that. so that's that's on Jimmy. We're, now. we're not we're you not know. all going to a restaurant together. <laughs> We'd need a fleet of buses, but that's okay. <laughs> so that was we did that for over a year. I mean, brand new visitors, anybody, Guess everybody, yeah. And then after we would eat, we would hang out, developing relationships. So it was just a very, I mean, nobody there had ever been in a church which we were, we were doing life together. We were eating together. Right. We were getting to know each other. We were becoming friends. It was one of the things that we still hold so dear today. You were building into the foundation, and that is you don't just check a box for an hour. You don't just show up on Sunday, walk into a room, say, been there, done that, and then go home. But 
but no. we were a family. We did life together. We did. And so that's why it was so important to build that in. It was worth every penny that we spent. And we did it for as long as we could until, remember, at some point we showed you the bottom of a receipt and we're like, um, our, our lunch is costing more than all of our lease payments. We, we probably... <laughs> I've got to find another way to go yeah. about this. But you started that at the very beginning. I remember yeah. the, the, when we were not a public Sunday, we were just doing our own little mm -hmm. thing. There were only like four families. Uh, we just thought, well, we're just going to kind of do what we've always done. Everybody will get together for an hour, then go back home. And you looked at, at Joe and me and said, where's the food? <laughs> like, oh, whoops. And so from the second Sunday, yeah. well before 15 years ago, we always, after the worship time was over, then we would turn and spend time together doing life together as a family. Yeah. One of my memories I'm going to let you two talk about uh, is because we were family, we did so much together. One of those was how you had a heart to disciple men, yeah. Nan had a heart to disciple women, and you kind of tag team the head of the family from there. And so actually for a very long time, well yeah. over a year, if not four or five years, I forget how long, we had a men's meeting at 8 a.m. every Saturday right. at a coffee shop that had a room, and uh, we dared not miss it because you would call and say, brother, how are you? I didn't see you this morning. And Jerry always starts with, brother, how are you? Anyway, that's... Uh... Well, we've always, the churches that we've been allowed to pass, to, to plant, have always been built out of helping disciple men and she women because we found that most men are not really well-fathered when they're growing up. I mean, today, so many divorces, but even those who had good dads didn't necessarily know how to impart these things. And um, so we have re had real joy in helping men. Uh, and I I've told men over the years, some of you who knew us back then, I would tell men, I'm not your wife's pastor. You are. And my job is to help make you successful, able to do it. And, and I want her to respect you, not me. And so that was a part of the legacy we wanted to put in. Amen. I'm going to ask you uh, a question. And then what I'd like you to do, uh, probably somehow in the answer to this, um, is to, to give a, a challenge, maybe a better word would be a charge yeah. to us as a church. Yes. Um, you know, when you do a wedding, there's a portion of it that's called a charge of yeah. the covenant. Yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd love for you to just give us a, a little mini preaching, if you could, and you have to forgive us because your, your whiteboard <laughs> is not here. Y'all need to know Jerry preached with a whiteboard <laughs> so that he could draw and make illustrations and and everything. We actually still have one of those two, if not both of them. I know we have at least one of them. I, I, I should have thought of it and we could have brought it out just yeah. for, for the fun of it. But So you have to do your best, but without a whiteboard, <laughs> share with us a, a charge from God's word for yeah. us as a spiritual family going forward. You know, at 80, I, things that we've known, loved, believed, but it takes time and revelation and walking with God to get some of these spiritual truths really living in us. And so a charge is that, listen, heaven is going to be 100% love. And love here is expensive. 
So to love your enemies, people who betrayed you, people who disappointed you, people who cheated you in business. There's a lot of hurt and suffering in this world, as you know, uh, relationally, mainly, uh, often. And it says love keeps no record of wrongs, but we don't allow courtroom scenes in our head. He said that, and he said this, and I'm going to, you know, straighten him and her. That's just not right. Arguing. And those things come. And we can read this, love keeps no record of wrongs, but to receive his grace. And I've learned Jimmy the hard way, of course. He says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And I've learned that when I've been rejected or hurt, I can choose to humble myself under it and to forgive. And it sure takes the Holy Spirit's help. It's not just a principle, it's a dynamic. But to go free from that and for you to learn to live. And so the scripture here in 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never fails. And it doesn't mean that you get what, that fairness comes or people treat you better. But living in love is living in freedom. Any place I'm not able to forgive, to love, every place that resentment is still hounding me, I'm not free. That's right. And nobody can take your freedom from you but you. <laughs> and so I would charge this church to do what it says in the next verse, pursue love. Ask God, help you love all the people that you touch in life. That's, Jesus says, that's how you'll know you're my disciples. Because you love one another. Often trouble comes right in the church. You start getting close to people. Will you get hurt? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But that's what we learn to love. And say, well, how do you do that? Well, that was about the verse I shared in communion. How do you learn to love? How do you come up with that? Being crucified with Christ. I hope that Galatians 2.20 is living in your bloodstream. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who really loves me and gave himself up so that you wouldn't have to serve sin. You could live in his freedom, peace, and joy. So I charge this church in Jesus' name to fill this city with love. Father, I just speak to brothers and sisters, all each man and woman here, before they were in the mother's womb, you knew all of their days before there was one of them. You've ordained them to be your workmanship, ordained for good works before we knew anything about it. Bless them with the capacity and grace to love, to forgive, to serve, and finding joy in things like love and humility and finding freedom peace to share with many in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, Jerry and Nan, I want to thank you for coming and 
celebrating with us this weekend. Uh, it wasn't uh, something that we had the wisdom to plan long ago. It was a couple of months ago as, as I was standing there and worshiping, and I thought, we've got to change. So I changed my sermon. I called you, or, or the plan to preach for the mm. series, and called you up and said, is there any chance we can get you in town for Palm Sunday? So I want to thank you that, that you are here, but more importantly than that, I want to thank you for the life of sacrifice and obedience that you've modeled for all of us. I want to thank you for trusting me <laughs> with what you built. Uh, that uh, is, is a huge step. It's like giving away a child. I mean, it's like, that's a big deal. Mm. Um, and uh, for you to have, have, have trusted that, that God can work through me just blows my mind every day. You know, Kent and Joe, Patrice, we're all still here. Lane, you know, three of the, the four families that started the church actually still live here and are all in leadership as either elders or pastors and and, uh, you know, sadly, the, the Lambs, Joe and Patrice, as well as your little Allison, who's grown up, right. uh, are all under quarantine thanks right. to this crazy right. COVID world that we live in. So they're not able to be here with us this weekend. But we're blessed and count it the greatest privilege to get to continue leading the legacy that you guys established in one of the five churches. You've actually then, after 70 years old, uh, have gone and started another and then you keep starting informal churches everywhere you go. You're the pastor at your gym, the pastor at the grocery store. Anytime you can start a conversation and help somebody go to heaven, you do. That's right. You remember their names and you you pray for them the next time that you see them in a store. Uh, the life you live is amazing. At 80 years old, you you're just, you just keep starting and starting and starting. And I want to thank you for that. Um, I don't know actually how this is going to turn out. I did it in the first service and there was a, a lot of people in the first service. But I'd like to ask anybody who was here. Yeah. Before I was the pastor, anybody who called Jerry Daly their pastor, would you please stand to your feet? I want to see who we have in the room. It was, it was come on, look at that. Oh. Again, we were a little smaller back in the day. Yeah. And now I'm going to ask everybody else to stand to your feet and help me honor Jerry and Ann and all that they've done. <laughs> Establishing Grace Life. Love you guys. Thank you.